0: THIS IS THE IOWA CITY CITY COUNCIL ECONOMIC DEVELOPMENT COMMITTEE MEETING FOR OCTOBER 27, 2021. Um, I THINK ALL THE COUNCIL MEMBERS ARE PRESENT. JOHN THOMAS, MAZIR SALI, AND SUSAN MIMS, MYSELF. We'll START at RACHEL AND GO AROUND AND GET INTRODUCTIONS. IT HELPS WENDY WITH THE MINUTES.
1: Uh, Rachel Denver, assistant city ERIC Orr, CITY
2: ATTORNEY. I'M WENDY FORD, ECONOMIC DEVELOPMENT COORDINATOR. Go ahead, Kurt.
3: Okay. Uh, Kurt Nelson, uh, PDC Entrepreneurial Development Center.
4: Jill Wilkins, Nuboco. Start right back.
0: Uh,
3: Mike Heaton, Nuboco.
0: you guys want to introduce yourselves?
5: Uh, Redmond Jones, City Manager.
0: Start back, Andrew. Andrew
5: Sherburn, uh, Executive Director of Film Scene. John
6: Shakedans, Executive Director at Tangler. John Kenyon, Executive Director of the City of Literature adam knight producing artistic director at
7: riverside theater Aaron stone development director at riverside theater and
5: i'm matt smart i'm a playwright uh, that's opening up the new theater the
0: new play riverside. Okay. and our city manager
8: jeff ruin city manager
0: well welcome everybody uh, thanks for being here and i think we've got um our usual annual exciting uh allocations to hopefully approve and uh great work that you're all doing in the community so uh, second on the agenda is to consider approval of minutes from the december 9th 2020 economic development committee meeting it's been a while
7: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> i noticed a, that earlier <laughs> i said almost oh, a geez, year yeah. Yeah. said so we have a motion
7: i'll move that
9: second
0: okay any discussion on the minutes all those in favor say aye aye, aye. were you were you an aye, Moz?: yeah okay three to zero passes the minutes thank you um, item number three, consider a fiscal year 23 budget recommendation uh, to the full city council community development for community development assistance for EntreFest. So, Wendy, I'll let you take it away.
2: Uh, okay, sounds good. Rather than go through the memos that I included in the packet, hopefully you've had a chance to at least scan those, I thought I would give the time to the representatives from each organization to talk about why they're here what's going to happen this coming year maybe what happened in the last couple of years or so um and let them have the floor so our our first is jill wilkins jill
4: great Thank you for having me. Uh, here with uh, Nubo Co., we are a non- 501c3 nonprofit based out of Cedar Rapids, uh, which focuses on entrepreneurship, innovation, and tech education, and also the producer of Entrefest. And we're really excited because Entrefest we are planning to bring back to the city of Iowa City uh, this coming June 2022. Um, for those who uh, may or may not have been part of previous years, and Entrefest was around, um, and actually, if you'd like to go ahead and advance. Wendy, thank you. Sure. Um, I'll give a very short background, because I know we're short on time, but we are a two-day conference that focuses on uh, those main areas of the organization, which is the entrepreneurship, innovation, tech education. And uh, the goal is really to bring uh, our business leaders within that sphere to the area for really high-quality content and connections. Um, If you don't mind advancing, that would be great. As I mentioned, we're looking at June 9th and 10th here in Iowa City in the Ped Mall area. If you'd please advance, that would be great. Uh, just wanted to note that we have already had, and it's great to see, have actually so many uh, partners here that we are excited to be able to uh, connect with already or reach out and connect with so far. So uh, the current venues are ones that we have been in touch with already, and what we are really looking at as far as uh, kind of core locations to be able to hold Entrefest film scene is, is, is one of those locations. and. You're we able to tour the new facility and it's beautiful, so congrats, um, if you'd like to advance. Um, just wanted to give you a little bit of information here on, on who is coming. So this gives you just a general um, idea of the number of speakers that we are bringing into the community, both um, locally, regionally, and nationally um, for, for the event, kind of a breakdown um, and, and attendance, you know, attendance is, is an interesting factor for events right now. Uh, Pre-COVID numbers, we are uh, averaging over those years um, in the in the mid 400s uh i I went ahead and shared with you our our kind of our COVID event numbers but certainly um, with a few things uh, we have in place we're um, certainly hoping that 22 allows us to get back to um, some of our our, our pre-covid numbers and to be able to open up and just allow um, many more ticket sales than we were able to last year Um, if you're able to advance that'd be great Um, again just in case you aren't familiar with the event uh, this is definitely a collaboration of both content and connections so we're really excited to be able to utilize different partners in the community for different meetup spaces for those one-on-ones for those sessions but it's really important for us to bring the conference into the community Um, that's what makes it unique for the event itself is what the attendees like but also we're wanting to be able to make sure that we are supporting uh, the local businesses that make um, the the space unique and so you know food and beverage we want to have that be within the, the restaurant that are there and to make sure that the dollars that we are spending are utilized with local resources. Uh, Next slide, please. Uh, just giving you a real quick highlight here on some of the types of attendees that you would see. Certainly everything from students to early stage entrepreneurs to those who are looking to maybe exit or scale up a business. You're looking at ecosystem builders, uh, business leaders within uh, maybe more traditional business settings that are looking to, to innovate or take some of those unique principles that an entrepreneur might use. Um, and then just really looking to continue to grow that economy within Iowa. So the unique thing about our event is that it is very Iowa focused and we want to celebrate um, the great things that we have going on here. Next slide would be great. thanks. And then just um, sharing a few pictures, again, in case you aren't familiar with the event, um, to showcase you know we have improv workshops to, to um, help with that, just that presentation and thinking on your toes, and just sharing some of the the um, feedback we've received. Uh, Next slide, please. Um, And again, as well, please. Uh, And just also wanted to let you know that this is also very much a collaborative effort, and so we have uh, two teams that work with us. We have a planning team and a team that we also utilize to really focus on DE&I efforts. So we actually, this will be the third year that we actually have this group really focusing on expanding our reach with the event. Um, Many of our planning team members are uh, members of organizations within the Iowa City community, but also within Quad Cities, Cedar Falls, Des Moines, just, again, really collectively um, utilizing minds of of great members throughout the state to be able to make sure that we're creating content and opportunities that really are meaningful and impactful for our attendees and also to, to continue to expand our reach to bring more people here. Um, that is something that we've been able to see over the actually like the last year in particular of um, being able to bring more people in from outside the communities to be able to actually highlight what is happening in Iowa and that has um, really led to a boost in some um, unique experiences and attendees as well. Uh, next slide please just um, showing some additional reaches uh uh next slide please and then um again just highlighting i won't go through the, the the ending slides are some of the sponsorship information that you already have and so um i will leave it at there but definitely happy to answer any questions um but definitely excited to be back and to be able to utilize the ped mall that's um you know the the construction projects and being able to see that you know it's a beautiful space and so um really looking forward to the opportunity to work with everyone again
2: and i'm sorry that i neglected to say that um jill and Nuboko are requesting ten thousand dollars from the fy23 budget you. and would would uh, request that for um your recommendation to the full city council
4: thank you wendy <clears throat> thank you questions comments from
7: I just had a little one noticed. I noticed in one of the slides that the, the word agilist. Yes. What, what is that?
4: Yes, um, good question. <laughs> so, we actually um, have previously held um, our organization at Agile Conference. That is um, it's basically a methodology, is the best way of. Sp- um, to describe it, many mostly used by software developers, or at least started with sof- software developers. And it is basically creating a process of working within short iterations and continually going back to your customer to understand and along the process, getting that feedback, as opposed to completing the project, and then you get the feedback, and then you take like 10 steps back. You're consistently doing that. It's also um, a mindset of, be- of creating this safe, open space to be able to continue to have this feedback. So we. Um, have held this conference um, in the past. We're seeing an opportunity to maybe fold that into EntreFest. Uh, one, it's a great opportunity to con- continue to build the event um, and, and draw additional attendees. But also, the principle is really something that entrepreneurs, innovators, software developers can definitely use. And so we can see value in both those audiences in bringing those together. Thanks. You're welcome. Anything else?
0: I know it's been years since I went to it. I don't remember <laughs> the, the last time we had the full uh, one downtown, but it was just lots of great events and information and energy. So it's nice to see us hopefully coming out of uh, the pandemic or at least figuring out a way to live with it and yeah. still be able to you know, get together in person and share that kind of energy and interaction. So, uh, and, and I think this... As it said in the documents, I mean, this event really puts Iowa City on the, the state and the national stage. I mean, in terms of the people that you invite in and the connections that you make. Um, and those things are just, you know, vitally important as we try and continue to make this city and this area really well known. And so it's great to
9: have it back downtown in Iowa City. So I will definitely be supporting this. Um, You're
4: saying
9: you saying you'll have it, when the last time you have it in Iowa City? It would have been 2017. This is the first time I heard of it, even though I live here since 2012. But I don't know if I'm very involved in the community, and this is the first time for me to hear about it. That means a lot of people who look like me, they don't know about it. How do you advertise it so everybody can enjoy it? Yeah, no, that's a great
4: question. You know, we have certainly um, partners within the community, within the, you know, ICAD um, business partnership, downtown district. So we have tapped into quite a few of our, you know, business community partners. Um, but we are uh, looking at, you know, just what are those expansive expansion opportunities to be able to talk about messaging, talking about where we talk, you know, where we are distributing that information. And so we have um, a couple meetings set. Um, with some connections from the business partnership, but that is, a, you know, that continues to be a main focus of the the, the group that is working on the DE and I committee, and that has been a challenge from time to time. And so, I I fully acknowledge that that is an area for us to grow, and that we've been really working on the last couple of years. And I do think we've seen a lot of success since we started to implement that back in uh, our 2019 event. Uh, then going into COVID, you know, that's certainly changed things when we changed to virtual and how we were marketing, but it's definitely a continued effort as far as continuing to look at partner organizations that we can be tapping into to help uh, make introductions, to expand um, the the channels in which we're using to be able to draw a more broad audience.
9: Did you remember, you have any memory for 2017, what actual like happening during those days, like programs or anything?
4: What types of programs we Uh had? sure yeah back in 2017 gosh um, a variety so we um throughout the day we will have uh breakout sessions that would be workshops so some of that would be marketing focused sales focused some of it could be hr related or accounting so definitely um you know, related to running your business, especially if you're maybe are an early stage startup, innovation programming could be some, for example, the agile that I was talking about, thinking about how to use different mindsets within your team to think about approaches differently. And so during the day, we would have many of those breakout sessions. We would have different keynotes. The last time we were here, um one of our keynotes was the founder of Warby Parker, the online eyeglasses. Um, website company at the time and then with that we did some additional programming and parties so we utilized a lot of the downtown bars for say like different meetups for people to just interact and connect we had um, a muralist outside on the ped mall so people could kind of watch create the mural Uh, we had a small band out on the um Oh the little by the, the by the fountain the little stage area I'm um, kind of by the graduate so we tried to do a, a and still continue to try to do a mix of opportunities where you're sitting in more of like an educational learning session or a workshop versus uh, trying to connect just with other attendees um, because we have found certainly that many of the opportunities and maybe even the most value is the people who meet each other who then are able to find oppor- either future business opportunities, um, potential partnerships or even just you know colleagues to collaborate with.
9: And this is like, you just said, like, I, it look because I really don't know. Yeah. I want to picture this so yeah. I can understand what's sure. going on. Um You were saying, like, this is kind of like a workshop for uh, most of the people who benefit out of this is most likely business. Yes. And um it it, it can be, like, kind of workshop for how to deal in third topic in your business, which oh. is will help those business owner or is this like for existing business or could be like somebody who want to open a business or
4: Uh, it could be for both and we do have both Um, so certainly those that are maybe working within a small business or maybe a company that are just looking for new ideas Mm -hmm. and you know some of that's that learning some new things or just that rejuvenation of being around others Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's definitely a large group that are students are people who maybe have an idea that are wanting to start the business but aren't quite sure totally of the approaches to take or wanting to learn more or someone who's maybe going through maybe venture school or an accelerator program so an early stage company where they have the idea they have the business plan but they're looking to learn more tools to be able to advance their business quicker
9: i think this is really good you know but i really would like to see since even after like the 17 points that we have for black life mm-hmm. matter we one of them is really encouraging like buyback community mm-hmm. to open businesses to improve their businesses and i think uh, i really would like to see those people are being engaging mm-hmm. and it is uh, to me if i don't know about it a lot of people that they have business and look like me they don't know about it so i just hope that you will do like a good job of reaching out to people like maybe advertise this with like organization that serve those kind of uh, people or maybe like just reach out to buyback community who own businesses even though if it it's small businesses yep. how can they come and benefit out of this yep. I, I really would like to see something like that happening
4: yep, yep. i i that is a high priority for us and i I totally agree um definitely appreciate the partnerships that we have in town and would definitely love to especially just not living in cedar rapids if there are other opportunities or groups that anyone has recommendations for good connections to be able to make sure we're we're talking to groups that can help us spread that word i would i would love to have that conversation I think
0: Thank it's pretty you. impressive that you've you know, added kind of a – you've got your planning committee, but you have a separate DEI committee to really put some focus on that and the fact that 30 percent of your presenters are going to be people of color mm-hmm. um, I think is also impressive. I think one of the things I've seen with this, and it, this is not meant as a criticism, it's just it, everybody's at a different stage when you yeah. start talking about businesses – and one, their experience and their knowledge and the kind of business they're looking at. And when I attended this back in 2017, I certainly got the impression that, that the focus of this particular event is much more on people who've already gotten started mm-hmm. a bit in some way. Mm-hmm. They may already have some connections in the entrepreneurial space um, maybe a lot of it was kind of tech-oriented, not necessarily all of it. So I think I think it's important when we think about, you know, in the city as, you know, in sponsoring this and think about other opportunities, that no one event or program can possibly meet all of the different needs that we have in the community based on the kinds of experience people have, the kind of business they might want to open. Like, like, I would not see this necessarily as beneficial for somebody who's wanting to start a small retail store. Maybe I'm wrong, okay? But I just, I see the focus of it kind of differently. And so um, I'm glad to see the DE&I emphasis, I'm glad to see the number of people color, but for anyone, personal color or white, whatever, who's looking at, this isn't necessarily gonna be the right fit for everybody, but we need to make sure that it's available and open to everyone and everyone is aware of it, so.
4: I feel yes,
3: there I would say that uh, since I was around when entrepreneurs first started with, up with you and I right um, the 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 focus all all across time has been more to the small business side than the large business side mm-hmm. so I would say that you know you know when I started to watch it was I've spoken at a lot of them and uh, when I started to watch who was coming at the very beginning and they were held around the state before this group started to take them over here in the corridor and uh, it was very little interstate commerce it was an awful lot of of uh, retail, hospitality, um, small businesses, uh, Main Street businesses, that type of thing. And then, and, the, and the programming was focused that way. So
6: mm-hmm.
3: and now what they've done with the programming is they've expanded the programming, but they haven't taken that piece of the program okay. now. So I would say that it would fit what you thought okay. maybe it wouldn't. Okay. There are tracks with this, I think, and from your perspective, this is a much larger thing than maybe you're, you're, you're thinking, but there are multiple tracks going on at multiple times. There are a lot of people, right? So it's like a big convention setting. It's not like you come Mm -hmm. and you are going to meet in three rooms. It's a lot of space with a lot of speakers speaking at the same time. So if you have a business, you can pick the tracks that fit your business versus you have a business, you pick the tracks that fit your business. Um, So it's a lot of information in a couple of days, and you can tailor it to the business that comes.
9: Mm -hmm. I think that's why exactly we need more people to attend it because there is many opportunities here yes. not, uh, not for different business. And as you said, many workshops in the same day, you just pick what you like to attend. And I'm glad that you have a black uh, leader to present. But that doesn't mean you're going to have black people if you don't invite them. And I think black person present to white people. It's not like black leader present to white lead, uh, uh, black people because it will be they will see that person powerful and they will say okay if he can do it we can do it yep. so I, I i think it will be a good opportunity since you have black presented to invite also mm-hmm. you know people of color to come and see how those people become successful and they present even to help other people to be successful in their businesses yeah just let us help you spread out the word when you the time comes. Yep. any further comments can we get a motion to
0: approve the funding recommendation?
7: So moved. Second.
0: Okay. Um, all those in favor say aye. 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 Okay. Passes 3-0. Congratulations. Look forward to it. Thank
2: It'll you very fun. much for your support. Yeah, yeah. thanks for coming. Well, thank you for all the you. work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we may be able to help you with those connections into Oops. various other parts of our community that uh, Maz was referring to. So, so If
4: there's an opportunity to follow up and, and discuss more, I'd love to. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great. Thank you for okay. offering that. Thanks. Yeah, yep. yeah. I'll, I'll maybe connect with you. For that. Okay, Jill, sounds okay, good. Okay, great. Thank you so much for All your time. Right.
0: Thanks, Jill. It. Appreciate it. All right, moving on to uh, item number four. Consider fiscal year 23 budget recommendation to the full city council community development assistance for the Entrepreneurial Development Center.
2: And we have Kurt Nelson here with us today, and the only thing I'll point out is that um, we have been assisting the EDC um, with funding since 2015 and then since 2016 with $25,000 per year. So, Kurt, if you'd like to have the floor.
3: Yeah, well, first off, I'll, I'll just say thank you very much for all your support uh, on a regular basis. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's very much needed. Um, I've provided you with a couple of things uh, at your table, um, this piece we draft up just for the city of Iowa City versus this full, full brochure which gets done at the end of every year because we work statewide, right? And so this is statewide stats, this is Iowa City stats, um, so you can kind of get a sense for it. I'll probably speak mostly to the Iowa City piece um, as we go through it. Um, you know, We are an organization that was founded in 2003, so we're entering our 19th year. Um, we are very focused on helping scale interstate commerce businesses that are home office in Iowa. So they're the kind of businesses that bring people and money from other states and other countries here. So they're the the businesses that really build financial vitality in in your community around which strong retail and and hospitality can be built. Um, So we've stayed very razor focused on that. Uh, We work with startup entrepreneurs. We work with early stage. Uh, businesses, and we work with 80-year-old businesses. I was most of the day today in Washington, Iowa, with Bazooka Farmstar. It's about a 35 million million dollar uh, manure management, agricultural manufacturing company. Um, We engaged with them when they were less than 10 million, and and the reason they're now in the 30-some million is because of a lot of the work that we did with them, right? And that's growing for that county, for that city, for that area, that's growing jobs and, and, uh, and money and That's the kind of work we do. I know that people say, oh, EDC, oh, you guys work with startups. And I say, well, yes. But only about a third of our resources go to startups, and the rest of it goes to early stage or later stage businesses all around the state. To date, we've worked with a little over 1,200 businesses. Um, If you're counting it all, right around 34% uh, of all those businesses are in the underserved classification. Right. If you so you know because we do track that because some people ask that question. Um, yeah, I think that uh, you know over eighteen years, if you look at the businesses and we we try and track the growth of the businesses and get the economic development stats from them over time. We don't get them from nearly all of them, but if you look at the stats in the in the larger brochure, I mean, those these businesses we've helped raise seven hundred and sixty-seven million dollars worth of worth of investment capital. They've grown over two point three billion dollars in revenue. Um, They have net created over 3,000 jobs. Average wages are net above over $62,000 across the state. Increased payroll by over $670 million across the companies that we've tracked. So that's about, you know, $3.7 billion worth of state impact. Um, It's kind of about as large as it gets for any program in the country um, that we track. I think over time this is a not-for-profit 501 organization. Um, so we have to raise the capital for this organization and or generate it ourselves every year. It's about 900 and some thousand dollars to do what we do. Um, so we've generated you know, just shy of $15 million over 18 years to run it. Um, uh, 52% of that funding comes from private supporters, um, which are corporations, people like Alliant Energy and, and all the different businesses. There's about 100 and, 100 and some of them, and you can see them all. You can see everyone that supports this organization, because all the logos are all across. Are all across. The smaller the logo, the smaller the amount of money, right? <laughs> but, but you're way over on the large logo side, right? And you can kind of see who else is, who else is over there with you. Um, 20% comes from our own operational earnings. So when we go to work for a company like Bazooka, that's a profitable company, so we don't use your money. We don't use money to help people that are making money, right? We charge them. So there are so a so piece of what we do we, we we charge for so that we aren't we aren't out having to raise all of our dollars right um, in this way. 28 uh, percent comes from some form of public support, which you are in that bucket uh, over time. So, um, and if you look at comparing, if you look at if if 3.7 billion dollars of impact has been created or more because we can't find some of the people, and some people don't give us numbers. That's about 250 dollars to one in return from a return standpoint. Uh, you guys, you know, invest in us for, for Iowa City uh, specifically, and so I'll kind of try and focus on, on that. Um, I can highlight a few businesses for you. Viewpoint uh, Molecular, I've been working with them, um, and, and they're highlighted as a case study on the front of the piece I gave you, but I've been working with them for about six years, and uh, this, is a, this is a pharmaceutical product. It's radionuclear medicine. Um, it's uh, In detail, it's alpha-particle therapy for hard to treat cancers. The very first two phase one clinical trials are in underway now for metastatic melanoma at Mayo and neuroendocrine tumors at the University of Iowa. This is blockbuster drug technology. If this goes well, if it goes, if it goes on the street like it went in the lab, it will be revolutionary life-changing uh, in the cancer space and for this community. Um, if you look, last year we raised um, we helped them raise $13 million in a Series A f- financing. And raising $13 in a Series A financing in the United States in 2020 was a real trick. Right? But, but nonetheless, the markets were still strong. We got that done. They got another $5 million in SBIR, so $8 million, $18 million in the company last year. And they're now hiring. I um, mean, they've hired 10 people already with six-figure incomes. They moved into Iowa City. From the BioVenture Center, so you now have them in your town, and they're creating—they're going to create another in the next six months, another eight six-figure income jobs. So this is, and they're bringing people from around the country. These are high high tech, science and medicine people that they're bringing to your community, um, which is going to be I think excellent for you. Um, I think ultimately uh, this business—you know, we we've, we've invested about eleven hundred hours in this business so far, um, and it's one that uh, I think really has an opportunity to put. This community on the map uh, as it goes forward. Um, it'll take about, I think, another hundred million dollars of capital um, to get this company far enough, far enough along in the FDA clinical trials processes to, to decide if there's going to be a partner, whether it's going to be a Merck or a Pfizer or a Novartis or somebody like that. But, but this is a big deal. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, it's been since I think 1992. The university had a professor that had a, uh, it was called a CMV promoter. It was an actual uh, pharmaceutical product, but it was actually used in labs, and it generated for the university about $160 million. This product, just the metastatic melanoma product itself is a $4 billion a year product. Just the one. And if it hits, they're gonna have a product for multiple cancers, just to kind of give you a sense of the scope of this business. So, it was a big deal. Um, for your area, I think, uh, and I can just—I'll go to another one that's that's nice and small, and you might know about it. Do you know the Keto Kitchen up here on Washington?
9: I guess okay. I know about it.
3: Mo Nazraddin. Yes. No, yeah. No,
9: Mo, I'm fat. I know more. Mo. No
3: Mo for a long time. Mo's a friend of my sons. If yeah. I if I go way back, um, and uh, but but and Mo's a consummate entrepreneur. Um, yeah, he, he always has at least three things going. Um, but we've engaged to help him now with this business, and at the same time, we've teed up uh, Riley and Michael, Ian and Lynch from Pear Deck, which I'll chat with in just a minute. But remember, they had that large exit last year I talked to you about and sold their business for an astronomical amount of money. Um, and they're now going to help him raise the money to scale that business, and that business really is going is to focus on meal prep in the keto space. You know, so for people who really want to eat in a, in a more healthy manner or lose a lot of weight, whichever you want to pick, they'll, they'll do both. Right, but 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 that's going to get grown here, funded here, and the idea with that business is to scale that across the country. So that's why Michael and Riley are interested in it, and, and we teed them up to it. Um, so I think you'll see that uh, I think you'll see that business kind of go from kind of small to much larger over the next couple years. Um, and uh, and 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 if you get a chance, go buy something from him. Yeah. <laughs> Because the, the young man, you know, he needs the support from that perspective. Um, a, a special note, right, on, on Michael and Riley, do you, how many of you know them? Do you know them, right? You know, so, you know, that, that exit, uh, and, I, and I said this to you last year, but that exit's going to bring to Johnson County then and uh, over a, a couple more exit pieces in the, with the parent company that bought them, right around $100 million between all the investors and the founders and everyone. And if you look at Michael and Riley, they are two people who are going to spend that money in your community. They are not the kind of entrepreneurs that buy big houses and fancy cars and, and summer homes and lake homes. They are, they are going to live exactly the way they've been living. Right now I think they're engaged in affordable housing. They've already started a foundation. They've already got on the board of one of your private schools. I think Michael bought a building and put them in it and gave them a reduced rent just so they could survive. So these folks, You're going to see far more than you fund us come from them every quarter of every year back to this community. And that's gonna be huge for you all. Um, So I'd invite you to chat with them from time to time. I think Mm -hmm. they are kind of salt of the earth folks um, who are very, very interested in making this an ideal community to live in. Um, So they're very concerned about carbon footprint, sustainability, every, you name it,
8: They're into it if it's in
3: that area, so, and they will spend their money on it, Um, so that's, but that's what you get when you get a business that can grow like that, and if you have a chat with them, they'll tell you how much, you know, I have over, I think, 1,200 hours in that business, how much we helped that you helped us help them with, right, but that's, this, look what you get back, right, it's pretty phenomenal, Um, so, Um, if you look at the back page i I, I provide you stats on a regular basis Um, you know so if i look at 2020 uh, capital raised and deployed in your area was 20 million dollars now when i've reported it in 2019 it was 2 million so it was up 18 million in 2020. the public-private split is about 70 70 percent private 30 percent Public and that, and the only reason that public number was so high is because of all those uh, SBIR grants that, that uh, Viewpoint got. Increased revenue by the clients that we worked with in Iowa City was 37.4 million dollars in 2020. That was only 11 in, in 19. Um, new jobs created in 2020 was 97, only 31 the prior year. Average wage was 73,000 in 2020. Um, it was 63 the prior year, and an increased payroll was 4.4 4. 4 million. It was only 2.6. So 2020 was a really significant year for for Iowa City for these businesses that, that we were helping. Um, the overall economic impact for 2020 was 61.7 million. It was only 15.8 the year before. So this is great return against your annual uh, investment in us, and I think you will be, I think you kind of understand it. You know, if we're, if we're coming up at $950,000 a year, I mean, you represent a very, a very important small piece of what we get, <laughs> right? Um, you know, when it came to the pandemic, and, and, and mostly for us up there, the derecho and and, and all of the impact. If you look across across this last 18 months, you know, we, we coordinate really well with ICAD down here. We opened our doors uh, to a little bit more in the retail sector that we normally don't do uh, during the during the pandemic, just to be of help when we could be of help. Um, we put out I a, 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 I don't know how many of you got on our whole news, daily newsletter chain, but we were kind of the mouthpiece for everything that was going on around, around the pandemic and around the derecho, and that went, that went every day for the better part of nine months um, for everybody. Um, we're really busy. Business is strong for our clients. Um, you know, it's our ninth year. There's five of us. We're very focused on what we do, so thanks for all your generosity. If you got questions, I'd be happy to answer them.
0: Thanks, Kurt. Questions? Can you get a motion to approve the 25000 dollars to the entrepreneurial development center? I'll
9: move.
7: Second.
0: All those in favor say aye. Aye. Aye.
7: Okay.
0: Passes 3-0 to make that recommendation. Thank you, Kurt. Appreciate it Thank you for coming. Kurt.
3: Have a great day. Okay.
0: Item number 5. Consider fiscal year 23 budget recommendation to the full city council for community development development assistance funding for arts organizations: Angler Theater, and Mission Creek Film Scene, City of Literature, Riverside Theater. Please pull your chairs up, join us. I don't know in what order you want to go
2: through these. Yeah, let's do Angler Theater first. So, here we are. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll just start off by, again, thanking you guys for consideration uh, in the budget. You've been a great support over the years. Obviously, the last 18 months was uh, pretty critical for us as we were closed during the entire pandemic, um, which completely decimated our uh, earned revenue uh, opportunities. However, during that same time, we continued to act on our mission and support arts and culture here in Iowa City. We were able to uh, create two full digital um, festivals and also support over 200 local artists to make sure that the art scene continued to thrive after the pandemic waned. Um, Those digital festivals, um, as well as our first film, Ghost Creek, uh, gave us national recognition on a scale that we hadn't seen before and increased our awareness Um, across the country. So we're really excited about the opportunities as we move into the new year about what we might expect for um, our festivals and our general programming. Um, One other thing that we're really proud of is we had a collaboration with the city and the downtown district um, this fall to have Mission Creek summer sessions, which Um, activated different parts of the city to bring in audiences that may not feel comfortable coming to the theater um, and really uh, drove into our DEI efforts and make sure that there was representation and that um, different parts of the community were invited to partake in free programming Um, so we were really proud of that As we move forward, obviously Andre Perry, our long-term executive director, has uh, taken a step back and taken a different role. So that's why I'm here today. Um, He was also our lead programmer for the theater. And as we move into this new phase, there's gonna be more opportunity for programming in our space and also with our community partners than we've seen in the past. We're currently projecting a 40% increase in programming in the next year, which is pretty dramatic, but we're really excited about that. Um, so we anticipate that that will bring a larger economic impact to downtown Iowa City. Um, it will also allow us to focus more on DEI efforts that we've already um, prioritized um, in a new way. So. We're really excited about that opportunity. Um, One of the things that I've already talked about, Mission Creek, um, also we'll see a large jump in the next year the expenses associated with that festival are anticipated to increase 30 to 30 to 40 percent um, from the 2019 levels making it one of the largest festivals that we've ever put on so we're really diving back in um, head first to make sure that the community has an opportunity to come out and enjoy uh, music and literature for this beloved event um, so all that to say uh, it's been a tough 18 months, but we are excited for the future. We're ready to welcome patrons back into our space, and uh, work has already begun on our festival. So, we're really happy to be presenting positive news for the theater. Um, and thank you for consideration um, for this budget item.
0: It was interesting. I was downtown the other night, and there was a long line outside the door. Yeah. I think it was Trey Kennedy. Was yeah. yeah, was performing, and it was like. There are a lot of people waiting to get in so that was really really nice to see so yeah. glad glad the doors are opening back up questions or comments from
7: yeah i would I, personal story you know it has been a long time since i'd been in the Englert and uh, the first time back was the esteban mm. performance nice, yeah. uh, which you know was just there's so many layers to that event john john rabson was my neighbor you know and just a vital part of our community here and, and the performance was extraordinary uh so have sort of a welcome back you know the, the importance of that space to the city to the community you know was just it's a very powerful experience thank
0: you yeah i heard that was fantastic
1: yeah we we were really happy to be able to partner with them to bring that uh to fruition
9: I really think you guys are doing a good job. I like the theater and film scene and everything, but also, same thing, you still need to engage with the community more. I wanna see people like from other community come to the downtown and enjoy all this. And uh, maybe sometime, I, I remember, uh, especially film scene, they used to give like discounted ticket for a like, uh, number of the organizations so they can, make their member attend and all this kind of things. Uh, yes, that will, uh, like, at least to bring people, they make them familiar with what in the downtown area. And we, we have yes, certain people come to downtown. I know some community that even is scared to come to the downtown at nighttime and all this. How can we make things exciting for them so they can come or how can we reach out to them and explain what this good programs is and how they can be engaged, yeah.
1: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This is an area that we are fully aware of and is a priority for us. We've done um, surveying of our customer base and also reached out to populations that may not being served adequately today to see how we can step in and provide resources and make sure that people are getting access to the arts. In this community. We do provide over a thousand free tickets to events um, for um, individuals that are involved with local nonprofits throughout the year through our LIFT program. So we're really proud of that. Uh, You mentioned that some people um, don't necessarily feel safe or comfortable coming to the downtown core. Um, And that is something that we have found in our studies. Um, That's why we're really trying to program outside of our space more and make sure that um, we're meeting people where they are in the community so that there's more opportunities to engage with art um, in a way that's comfortable for them. So it's definitely something that's on our minds. Um, We're not perfect today. We know that there's work to do, but it's definitely something that we're interested in continuing that effort.
9: Yeah, I I really like uh, what you do, and definitely, but I I want other people to... Like, just enjoy uh, all the the good work that you've been doing. And also, like, ideas about why don't bring, like, cultural things for the, like, look like the community on those and invite them. And if somebody, like, if I know that there is in film scenes, there is a movie that about, like, in different language or about certain things, why not? You Mm -hmm. know, just like advertise that maybe that's what bring people to come and watch that movie and just make them engage. As soon as you come to one thing and you find out this is amazing, you're gonna, after that, gonna be following and seeing like what's coming next and uh, who we can invite and all those kind of thing. yeah.
1: Yeah, I will say one other thing. We're looking at diversity in as a multifaceted, um, you know, thing that we need to increase which it is um, financial diversity we're definitely trying to find options for people to experience the arts that may not financially be able to Um, we're also looking at um, providing interpretation asl interpretation for many of our events um, for people that may not be able to experience art Um, So this is something that is definitely on our mind, um, like I said, and we just really want to continue to drive into that.
9: And also, you know, I I was thinking because I was talking to somebody else before, how can we, for example, the Ingress Theater, how can we use that space sometime to invite somebody, even if you invite some, like, speaker who really talk about certain things for 13 communities so we can invite them to come, they can buy the ticket still, but you know, they, they will do it because mm-hmm. they want to listen to that speaker. Yeah, I, I would love to give you some ideas when- Yeah, I'd love <laughs> some to chat with you. like this, <laughs> <laughs> of course, but you know, you guys are doing great. I, I'm gonna be supporting this, definitely.
7: <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of expanding venues. I mean, I know that, you know, I live on the north side and the, the creation of that um, outdoor space on Lynn Street has become, in a sense, another cultural venue. Um, so yeah, trying to kind of create a, a network of such places, which I think in the end reinforce one another um, in that they bring people out um, in different settings, which, which can have their own strengths and possibilities. So yeah, it would be an inter- interesting to think about that. But I mean, just immediately for me, that, that's been a huge benefit uh, to those of us who live there as well as other people in the community. It's a, b- a very nice setting. So trying to identify where that could happen <laughs> or the potential of various commercial areas, for example, like, like that as a, as a way, kind of in a way replicating, you know, the Ped Mall as a cultural commercial setting, uh, I think it's kind of an interesting thing to explore.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Thank you, John. We'll move on to uh, film scene and refocus film festival. Welcome, Andrew.
5: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having all of us here today, as always. Um, I guess I, I start off saying, I, you know, I love the fact that, that we sit down here right after we talk about entrepreneurship and, and building, um, you know, the local economy, because you talk about those people that are being recruited and retained in this community. Yes, it's about good jobs, but really it's about making this a vibrant place to live and raise a family, right? And And I think that's that's why we're all here today, right? Because the arts do that. Um, and, uh, you know, Livability Magazine just had their list of most livable cities, and Iowa City, again, was the number one most livable city in, in Iowa. And uh, I don't think that's by accident, that's because we invest in arts and culture in this community. Um, so, film scene last year. I mean, you know, I think we're all going to give you a very similar story. The uh, the pandemic was not kind to the arts. Um, you know, we are in the business of bringing people together for communal experiences. Um, that's what we do. Um, that's how we that's how we enrich this community. So, last year was tough. Um, th- well, last year and this year have <laughs> been tough. Uh, but uh, you know, thanks to the support of uh, of the city and and the state and the federal government, uh, as well as all of uh, Iowa City, really. Uh, you know, we're still. here. and we still see a bright future. Um, You know, in this packet, I listed, um, you know, you can see our attendance and our membership from the last two years. Our attendance, as you might have noticed, went down quite a bit (laughs) when we were closed for more than a year. Um, But our membership stayed strong, and I think, to me, that, embodies the the kind of support that we have and and the relationships we have with our community we pivoted during the pandemic to offering f- uh virtual screenings um for free to our members and and to many members of the of the public um, you know we we took uh we made an effort to make sure that those those films were diverse uh to, to what maza's been been talking about here um and and really i think that that membership uh, sustainability is is reflects that we were still active um in that time um, and not just not just active, really, but um, we tried to stay busy. Uh, we renovated our original Ped Mall location. Uh, hopefully, you all have had a chance to set set foot back in in that space. Uh, it still feels like uh, it always, you know, it always has. There's that element uh, of of what it's always felt like in there. But now we have much more comfortable seating. <laughs> um, we have some uh, improved technology, and just gave the the space an overall facelift, and and really made it a much more welcoming uh, environment. So we're excited about that. We've We've only been open over there for four weeks but uh it's great to have people back in that space and activate that part of the ped mall Uh, i know we'll hear more about that in a second but uh the other big thing that we did uh working with iowa city parks and recs to launch film scene in the park um that's been a terrific i mean that was just for our own morale at film scene to be able to put on a public performance again but obviously the the city the community responded as well we've had over 3500 community members at those shows Uh, we still have one left on friday uh, our big halloween bash hocus pocus Uh, i know the city's planning some some fun and games with that one Uh, so there'll be even more people served there that's on average uh, about 200 people um, per per screening that we had in the park this year Um, and it was terrific you know we saw people that uh that we haven't seen ever before inside our space so they got a chance to get to know us we got a chance to get to know them Uh, it was really terrific we showed films in in chinese and french and italian uh out there and you know made sure you know we partnered uh with juneteenth and iowa city pride um so there was a lot of uh there was diverse programming in that space Uh, and it was all free Um, thanks to really thanks to the city's support uh, and then the last thing that uh, that I wanted to point out that, that we were up to during our closure was uh, you know taking the time I think as many of us have uh, to take stock of, of what what we do um, since we weren't showing movies you know five times a day uh, we had a, a little bit of extra time to think about our role um, and so we've been embarking on new strategic planning initiatives um, to make sure that we really are making good on those um, those diversity and equity um, and justice. Uh, commitments that are, that are, uh, that are, organization has made. Um, so enhancing and expanding on some of the programs uh, that already exist at film scene, like Real Representation, uh, which spotlights uh, underrepresented perspective of female and non-binary artists on screen. Uh, our African Diaspora Committee, which uh, works to support films from the African, African-American, and black filmmaking diaspora. Um, and then since we reopened, we actually have made it uh, a firm commitment that we will have open captioned screenings every week. Uh, in our spaces. So uh, open captions, like closed captions at home, but you can't turn them off, so they're open. Um, But that means that uh, our deaf and hard of hearing community can come to our space every single week and know that there's a film that they can watch uh, on screen. Uh, And what we found is even though we did that primarily in response to, to hearing from that, specific community. It's benefited a lot of um, English as a second language patrons who have a much, you know, more enjoyable time at the movies when they can read the words on screen uh, to help some other folks who, you know, those Welsh accents are hard to follow sometimes too. So uh, there's been a lot of uh, benefits to having that open, open caption um, program uh, and we're, we're really glad that, uh, that that's, you know, been well received. Um, and then, you know, just continuing those uh, you know, what we've always been committed to, but formalizing a new community partnership program so that we can deepen those, um, those collaborations with, uh, other community groups. So We're always working. um, uh, I think as as Maza uh, alluded to, with community groups to to connect uh, with other members of the community and organizations. Uh, But we wanted to make it easier for them to come to us and make a request um, for a partnership because it is uh, expensive uh, to put a film on. We have to get film rights and reserve space and staff it, et cetera. Uh, But we want it to be affordable and accessible for those community organizations that, that bring passion and bring enthusiasm, even if they don't bring deep pockets so that program uh has been overhauled and we're going to unveil that next year uh which should just make it easier hopefully um for us to structure those partnerships so try to stay busy uh even when we weren't showing movies at a at a breakneck pace uh but we are now open seven days a week at both locations again for the first time in 18 months which means that's 5,500 screenings every year uh, all of them personally introduced by our staff because that's part of the, the touch point that's, uh, that we'd like to have to make sure that we're connecting with community. So we're back uh, and that makes us happy. And. Uh you know, glad that, uh, that we have your support. Thank you again for, for your support for many years, and, and hopefully you'll continue to, to support us. Oh, and I, I, I guess I should mention, there's this thing about a film festival in here. Um, we, uh, you know, a few years ago when we presented to council and uh, in, introduced this notion of, uh, of the Refocus Film Festival, it was pre-pandemic, of course, and we were excited to get that off the ground. That has been delayed for a few years. We're hoping that we're able to launch that festival, uh, a festival that is true to Iowa City, authentically Iowa City, rooted in literature, a film festival that's about the adaptation of works to the screen. we're hopeful that we can launch that uh, in the fall of next year. Um, that's our intention. But uh, I think one thing that we've learned over the last few months is not to, uh, not to make commitments too far in advance. So we're going to take a little bit of time to make sure that next year we want to launch it in the right way. right? We want to make sure it's a vibrant experience for everybody. So we intend to do that. And we've appreciated the commitment uh, to support that first year whenever it happens. And hopefully, you'll continue to do that. Thanks.
0: Questions, comments?
7: I I mean, I'm impressed with how, I mean, I know how difficult it has been, you know, the last year and a half, um, but it did provide, as you were describing some opportunities, sort of gave an opportunity to kind of step back, uh, build, you know, build the organization on a certain level with, you know, the support that you were seeing, despite the fact that the screens weren't on. the value of outdoor space boy that that's something that really came through for me with covid was i i hadn't realized how i mean i've always loved in terms of cultural events being outdoors but you know we were sort of forced to explore that and expand on it in a way that you know lynn street plaza i think is a great example that never would have happened in my opinion without having been forced to explore you know what are the opportunities how can we increase or compensate for the loss of business indoors by moving it just outside and creating that space Um, so yeah i really appreciate all the thought you've put into your you know your work um expanding it revising it sounds like it's been very productive thanks
0: i did what john said i was thinking those same things it's just that not that you wanted to be closed not that any of you wanted to be but The time that it did afford all of you to really do some deep analysis and planning for the future Um, hopefully makes all of the organizations that much better and stronger uh, once we get fully out of this so it's great okay well we'll move on to riverside theater adam and crew thanks andrew
6: Hey, folks. It's really nice to be in an actual room with you again this year.
4: Um,
6: uh, Riverside is alive and well and moving forward after 40 years. Um, I think that uh, maybe um, I would just say that in Riverside's case, we didn't really close. We kept going this whole year. Um, maybe we were crazy. <laughs> maybe we should have stayed shuttered. Um, but uh I think that riverside around the time that the pandemic really um became clear uh had a choice to make and the choice that we decided to follow was one of mission delivery one in which we decided that the best thing we can do for our community our community of of patrons and our community of artists is to keep going to keep telling serious-minded stories and i think maybe as important um, to keep putting um, giving employment opportunities to local artists. Um, that, Because of that, I think that Riverside is still here. Um, in some ways, I think we're stronger than we were when we sat down two years ago um, to request continued funding from the city. Um, Last year, we had seven full productions. Um, These weren't just Zoom readings. These were full sets, fully designed, um, fully rehearsed productions, often rehearsed in rooms like this with masks and then filmed with the actors um, unmasked, but everyone else masked. I think one actor said it was kind of like being in an operating, getting operated on. It was very strange. Um, But those productions were incredibly well-received. We had um, 8,734 patrons buy tickets to those shows that's comparable to the amount of patrons who would come to a normal season at Gilbert Street. Um, As an example of that, uh, this um, April, we presented Sonnets for an Old Century by Jose Rivera. Um, That was an anthology play with a series of monologues similar to Spoon River Anthology featuring 23 actors. Um, That production, in part because of this playwright over here who Matt sent it to Jose, Um, and said, I just saw this production of your play, I think you really like it. Jose watched it, he sent us a great note. Um, Somehow Isaac Hamlet got word of that at the Press Citizen. Isaac contacted Jose and did an interview with him. And this is an an Academy Award nominated writer, Opie Award winning playwright, who um, gave a story in the Press Citizen lauding um, the work at Riverside Theater. Um, In addition to that, um, as John mentioned, thank God for outdoor spaces, and and because of the city partnership over the last 20 years, Riverside has had the festival stage in Lower City Park. We weren't able to use that last year because of um, actors' equity regulations having to do with COVID protocols, but this year we were. And um, we made the decision not to do just one free Shakespeare play, but to do two. Um, so that there wouldn't be a net loss of that kind of free programming for the community. Um, We did 15 performances in July and August. 4,389 folks from the community attended, um, all free. And um, looking um, out at the audience, it was incredibly inspiring to um, gather again, to have that kind of live storytelling event again. And um, what it told me is that people are hungry to do this again, to do it safely, and to um, continue to do this thing that we love. Um, We are currently partnering with the Iowa City Book Festival and UNESCO City of Literature on Grand Inquisitor at the um, University of Iowa um, Library. Um, Moving forward, we're incredibly excited about our new home in the Ped Mall. Um, That's possible because of the folks in this room and the greater city council really um, making sure that this um, development and that Tailwind's group um, uh, checked all those boxes and provided a meaningful cultural space for, for our city. Um, that was a lifeline for us. Um, it's a new state-of-the-art 150-seat black box theater. Um, it's going to have a has loop system we just um, uh, determined today. Um, ADA friendly not only for patrons, but also for artists, which is something that um, the Gilbert Street uh, simply could not provide. Um, We're going to be moving over the next three years from 100 nights of programming to 150 nights of programming a year. Um, Most of that's because of the increased opportunities that the lobby space will provide. Um, Opportunities like doing new play workshops, cabaret performances, opera on tap, um, improv events. That's going to add lanes to our programming that we couldn't do previously. It's going to add um, things like um, you know, welcoming more people into our space, um, increasing what it means not only to be a Riverside patron, but, but to be a Riverside artist. Um, that's uh, you know, in no small part because of, of the TIF funding and what the city has provided. Um, we are seeking um, continued funding. Um, As you'll see from our budget uh, line on page page four and five, strangely enough, um, Riverside has had a few good years these last few years. Um, That's been because of that, uh, because we've been smart, we've been resilient and we've been um, really trying to streamline costs as much as possible, in, in no small part because we left our Gilbert Street space. Um, if you kind of look backwards, you see that, um, oh wait, there's a $33,000 deficit, and if you keep looking backwards for four or five years, those deficits are there. Um, we needed these last two years to be able to make the kind of strides that we're prepared to make over the next three years. You'll also see on that page five that we're almost doubling wages and benefits in the current fiscal year that just started, almost doubling artistic costs, um, artistic stipends to artists, um, production costs on the artistic world, and our patron services we're doubling too. We wanna to make this a welcoming space. We want to make it a, a, a kind of beacon of professional theater um, in a town that um, I can't think of another city this size that can support a theater like Riverside. Um, we're finally in a place to um, really um, make leaps uh, and to grow. And to do that, um, you know, we're asking for continued city support.
0: Thank you, Adam. Questions, comments, some counselors?
7: Uh, well, I would just say again, it's been kind of interesting hearing from all of you in terms of, I haven't heard yet from John, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, that you know, we, I think all of us in one way or another and certainly are cultural institutions went through a kind of a stress test here and came through it um, with, I think, uh, a, you know, uh, more a sort of broader vision and yet more resources to bring to the community. So it's it's sort of a testament to, as you were saying, the the resilience of these institutions and um, that's very promising, you know, that. <laughs> that you know we, we made it through and it with with optimism. So um you know and certainly with your new theater. Um I mean that's and the expansion of your programming, I mean that's astonishing. Um it 100 to go was a hundred to one hundred and fifty events. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So um yeah I'm happy to give my support. All
0: right. thank you. We'll move on to last but not least, UNESCO City of Literature. John, you're welcome.
10: Hello to everyone. As my predecessors up here have said, it's wonderful to just be in the same room with everyone (laughs) and be able to see you and speak with you. Um, In the interest of time, I won't belabor the point. We all know there was a pandemic and we know it was not good for the arts, as we all have said um so i just wanted to uh, highlight a few things um that i guess we've learned or things that we have done as an organization that have come out of that like most of the folks here we moved all of our programming to virtual over the past 18 months and it was just last week when we had uh, this year's iteration of the iowa city book festival that we moved toward hybrid programming where we had some things in person Uh, but during that 18 month span when we were doing things virtually uh, we've learned some things that i think will help us as an organization moving forward um Uh, One thing uh, again echoing some of these comments is just the reach when we do things virtually when we look at new ways to uh, provide programming we found that we were reaching different people in our community that hadn't participated in our events in the past um, beyond our community and not just regionally but um, internationally we were finding that we had people participating. And I'm not so naive as to think that we're going to keep that international audience of that same scope, but we can keep some of them and we can learn from some of the things that we did. Um, More specifically, what we learned about was accessibility for our programming. You know, In the past, we would have a a reading, we would tape it, we'd get it up on YouTube in the next couple of weeks, we'd put out something on social media. Um, But what we realized is that people weren't able to fully participate in these events the way they could if they were in the space and so just by all of us learning how to use zoom and all of these different tools and and realizing that we can stream our events live and take pains to make sure that people were able to participate virtually in the same way they would if they were in the room we made everything that we did that much more accessible and as an example the book festival that we just had we would have 20 or 30 people in the room listening to a reading we'd have 20 or 30 people on zoom and uh, the folks moderating myself included made sure that people who were asking questions from any of those or either of those audiences rather we could blend them all in together so that people who couldn't normally come to our events would be able to participate and we've realized you know we'll do that moving forward because that was a lesson that we've learned it's not as difficult as we perhaps thought it was it's not as costly as we thought it was Um, And so we're able to do that. And so that really has built into our mission is in trying to make what we do as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, We'll be able to do that going forward. And the other thing, and I'm glad I have my colleagues here in the room is we did uh, even more collaboration than normal. We're a very collaborative organization in part because we don't have our own space. So, you know, I don't have my own theater um luckily i know a lot of guys who do (laughs) and so we do a lot of events there we do a lot of events obviously with the iowa city public library and other spaces but um we collaborated a lot more because we all needed help amplifying our messages and and one thing i can't believe is the fourth guy to speak i get to talk about this but you know we have the iowa city downtown arts alliance uh that we had started before the pandemic hit but uh, it really ramped up in terms of what we were doing in terms of trying to support one another, look for collaborative opportunities, uh, a lot of information sharing. Um, And so we were able to do that as well. And I think that will continue. Those relationships that we've built over the last year and a half have gotten uh, considerably stronger and I think will only yield uh, great things going forward. Um, A couple of things that we did um, programmatically uh, in terms of doing Uh, virtual programming or actually I'll just focus it on one was a community reading program that we've done and it's had many different iterations over the last 18 months Uh, but we've worked with Anna Barker who is a, a local professor here at the University and is a member of our board on doing these community reading programs where we tackle these massive doorstop books that most people have read 30 pages in put a bookmark and then put it back on the shelf after giving up Uh, We're currently uh, in the midst of Brothers Karamazov right now, and there's tons of uh, ancillary programming, including the Grand Inquisitor that Adam had mentioned that uh, is uh, in partnership with our organization and the Book Festival. Um, But again, that's something that hundreds of people from all over the world, but mostly in our community, are taking part in this and finding a way to create community that wasn't there before. And that has been really instructive for us as well. Um, at the same time, because we haven't been having in-person events, we haven't had the same opportunities for um, sponsorships or contributions that come from people who come through the doors of whatever we happen to be doing. Um, luckily for us, the cost of our events has gone down at a commensurate level because I'm not flying authors in. I'm not putting them up in hotels. And so uh, we've been able to sustain. But like uh, my colleagues here, as we look toward a future where we hopefully can do things more in person, we are looking to see those costs ramp up again and uh, take advantage of some of those opportunities with uh, the new audiences that we've reached out to. Um, And the last thing I just wanted to mention is during the pandemic, we did go through a strategic planning process as well and looked at addressing a lot of the different things that we've talked about in terms of expanding our programming and look at the accessibility of the programming, uh, the... um, um, representation in our programming and uh as well as just being more efficient and more effective in that and there's a lot of details in the document that i sent to wendy that you uh, have access to and then lastly um i have taken on a role as the coordinator for the cities of literature so you know we are unesco designated city of literature we're now one of 39 around the around the world rather uh still one of only two here in the u.s uh, but I am coordinating all of those folks now. And so while that has meant uh, a lot more emails that show up on in my inbox from Europe as soon as I wake up every morning, it also means that we have an opportunity to have more uh, effective um, collaborations and communications with the other cities and the other members of the network, which can only help to raise our profile and to make people more aware of what we're doing here. And I've certainly been trying to take advantage of that. So. I think I'll stop there and see if you have any questions.
9: Questions? You said how many cities in the United States of literature, Iowa and-
10: uh, Seattle yeah. is the other in, in Seattle the United is States. Seattle, yeah.
9: that was the other,
10: Great. And I will say uh, at the end of this week, we are anticipating the next round of cities. We go through a process every two years where cities uh, apply for the designation and are evaluated and UNESCO typically names those at the end of October. So we could see another five or six cities probably named uh, soon. So our network will continue to grow and that many more opportunities for collaboration. And travel. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, before we finish this out and and vote on this, and I think I know where we're headed, um, I would just like to thank all of you, um, not just for showing up today, but for what you do every day and every night and for what you've done um, not just over the last 18 months or so, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't, you wouldn't, your organizations would not be coming out this side of the pandemic as strong as you are if it wasn't for the effort of you and your predecessors um, you know, for the years prior to that. And you positioned yourself and your organizations in a way that you were prepared to deal with just totally unexpected circumstances and trying to figure out kind of on the fly at that point you know how are you going to survive from some places more or less having to shut down like film scene uh, versus riverside who said no we're going to figure out a way to keep going and we're basically going to do all this pretty much virtually and do it you know in the safest way you know that we can so it was different for all of you but it just, speaks, it just speaks phenomenally to, to your passion, to your knowledge, to your hard work, to your character, uh, to your caring about the arts. And, and the additional collaboration that you have developed over these last 18 months um, will only make our art scene you know, that much stronger as we go forward. So all I can say is thank you very, very much. Appreciate it.
9: I, I will echo what Susan said, but you know, this is, I know also like 2020 has been really uh, a bad hit in every organize, the art organizations and you might, yeah, from the loss that you have also you can tell. Uh, but I think you are providing very like amazing thing for our residents in Iowa City. And uh, our people really enjoy what you Best doing and that's why we want to make sure you are there and you are existing you are doing this and continue the good work that you have i will be supportive for all of them
7: yeah i too would certainly it's been it's fun hearing about how you all have worked through the challenges of the last year and a half and john you're talking about access that just reminded me that you know i'm i just turned 70 this year and I know many people my age or older access is a huge issue in terms of um, experiencing the arts and so I think I think the pandemic had that aspect to it as well as it I think it revealed the fact of how many people are challenged in terms of being able to see live performances uh, regardless of whether there's a pandemic right Uh, so yeah I, I do hope that we you know we we've all learned from this experience and i think evolved to some degree and in, in terms of understanding that you know our audience is out there how do we how do we access them how do we make that connection and maybe through creativity in terms of venue whether it's in person or virtual um but certainly i you know i'm very appreciative of all the work that you've done over the last year and uh look forward to the coming year and the work that you'll be doing
0: and I think it's a challenge for all of us, too, to, to find ways to help you um, to increase and diversify your audience. And I, I know you're all working hard at it. Um, you know, you can only give away so many free tickets. Um, you know, you have to sell tickets to help, you know, reach that bottom line that you need to reach. But I think there's also, and, and I would count myself in this category, a person who did not grow up with the arts per se, Um, you know, I grew up on a dairy farm in Vermont. It's about as far away from the theater as you can get, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, ended up in college and, and my choice of major was engineering, again, about as far away from the arts as you get. And so there's a lot of people who don't have that natural connection, you know, based on their, you know, their lifelong experiences. Yet once they get into those places, okay they see something that they really connect to they really enjoy and say, hey this is a lot of fun we you know we need to make an effort to go back and at the same time this is where i found myself a lot over the years is life gets in the way and we don't you know we don't make enough of an effort to make that a priority and so to push people like myself and others to say wait a minute this is a really valuable experience this is good for you Mentally, emotionally, you know, make it a priority in your life to get involved in these organizations or go see some of these movies, performances, whatever. And so, you know, I just challenge all of us to try and find ways to extend that thinking, and whether it's a personal invitation to a friend to go to a show or whatever, to help you. Um, and and I think that's especially important uh, for people who don't feel comfortable going. Um, either it's because I don't know anything about the theater, I would feel mm-hmm. kind of foolish going in there, or I'm a person of color, and there's hardly any other people of color here, or I'm a low income person, and this is only for the rich people in the community. You know, all those different things. Um, so I think for any and all of us who can help you find ways to reach into those areas of the community and, and kind of spread that network that more people can invite other people just enriches all of our community but in the meantime thank you thank you so much for what you've done and continue to do
9: yes thank you and just we as i said we want like the whole community to benefit out of the good work that you have just give up the good work and try to reach out as many people as you can yeah thank you Right. Do we have
0: a motion to approve recommending all of these amounts? I think they're in our packet, so I won't read through them. But I will be happy to move that.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I'll be happy to second that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all those in favor say aye. 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 And it passes 3-0. to zero. Thank you again so very much.
10: Thank you so much for the support.
0: <clears throat> okay, I think we are to staff reports, if I'm correct.
2: Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for coming, first yes. of all. talk to you soon. Um, I just had three things. Um, One, to bring to your attention, um, next week, the uh, petition for South District uh, Self-Supporting Municipal Improvement District will be going to P&Z, and um, I look for them to um, uh, review the, the petition for merit and feasibility, and if they agree that it has sound merit and feasibility, then they will forward that on to you, um, and then that will come to council first to set a public hearing, and then to enact the smid would require an ordinance that would that would happen later. So, that's out there on the radar, coming up in the next several weeks. So, I'm sorry, Wendy, would that come to economic development committee or just straight to the council? Straight, straight okay. to P&Z and then council. Okay, that's yeah. right. Though, <clears throat> um, and then just to report on a couple of other things. Um, Over the last several months, we had, uh, as you know, we had established um, the Industrial Energy Efficiency Grant Program, and we had uh, about 10 applications. We funded six or seven, sorry, I should have had those numbers all added up, for a total of $748,000 on energy improvement projects um, everywhere from Procter and Gamble, Earl May, Iowa City Storage, United Natural Foods Incorporated, Reunion Brewery, Old Capital Tofu, Alpla, and Adamantine Moving. So um, we are helping to make a big impact on uh, energy efficiency at those industrial businesses. And knowing how much of the community's carbon footprint Uh, they're responsible for, I I think you should be very proud that this has proceeded as it has. We're also getting ready to roll out a very similar program for um, the area that, most of the area that is included in the downtown riverfront crossings and north side marketplace where grants will be offered for energy efficiency projects. Uh, Minimum grant would be uh, would be $20,000. They're 50-50 grants, so the project size has to be substantial at 40,000. The maximum grant size would be 100,000. Of course, that would require a $200,000 project. Um, We will be rolling this out over the next several weeks or so, um, and we'll start off by offering 10 grants. We're just not sure what sort of interest we're gonna have in that, and we wanted to uh, limit the amount of administrative time that would be uh, required to handle that by um, starting small we may open it up again after that but we'll start with 10. Uh, and then lastly the thing only other thing i had was that our office off uh, our office also um uh, conducted the climate action at work awards through our business community and we awarded and I'm sure you saw this during the climate fest, fest week uh, but we uh, awarded ACT for uh, adaptation. We awarded the new gas station out on uh, uh, Dodge Street uh, in the interstate. Urban Fuel Express for, for its building for taking action in buildings. We awarded bicycle happiness in the transportation category, a haunted bookshop for waste management, and New Pioneer for um, supporting sustainable lifestyles. So we've been busy in economic development across a range of different kinds of projects with a lot of focus on energy efficiency. This past almost year since we've met before. Yeah, it's been a while. And that's all I had. I don't know if the other staff.
0: Okay, anything from the committee? I'll just say I'm assuming this is my last Economic Development Committee meeting. I'm assuming we probably won't have another one <laughs> before <laughs> the end of the year. we have a flurry of them in the next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're have a flurry <laughs> since we haven't done this in ten months. Um, so it's been—I don't even know how many years I've done this. It's been quite a few. Um, it's been fun. We get to see a lot of um, interesting new projects uh, before they go to council, and so it's always fun to to kind of get that first view and get that first vetting of a lot of things. And these meetings are some of the best. I mean, the folks that are doing a lot of this arts work um, are really what make this community what it
9: is. So these are a lot of fun. So it's been good. Uh, I take motion to adjourn. Before that, I oh. just want to say also this is my last one, but well, I'm sorry. I'm glad that we have John, so we have at least one person with <laughs> <had> experience. <laughs> when you created again. your new, you know, oh, at least you're gonna come back again. Hopefully. Yeah, we kind of did that when Rockney yes. and Jim left too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was the one. So, so yeah. uh, we have like somebody who was really have experience to start us off on this, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I was really hoping to be on this committee, night, and I I did and. Yeah, yes. Good to know all this stuff. So, you know, like, uh, have knowledge on a lot of things throughout this committee and what is coming to this committee normally. So, yeah, uh, very happy being here. And
7: well, this was a nice meeting to have as your last meeting because yeah. it, it really had a. Yes. It's very, very, very warm upbeat. and
9: uh-huh.
7: good feelings yeah. associated with this one.
9: Yeah. Well, it always
8: says a lot to me that uh, you know we view arts and culture in economic development, and and mm-hmm. that's not the norm. Uh, and most cities don't view it. They may fund it, but they don't view it as economic development. And clearly, that's a major strategy of of ours, and has been for for quite some time. Uh, Maz and Susan, thank you for your service on this on this commission. Um, uh, we have seen a lot of projects uh, come through, although it's been a slower year. Um, you know, your your fingerprints are on uh, a lot of the projects. I think just, you know, the one we heard about today, the Tailwinds Project. And, you know, that was two, three years in the making that probably came back to this meeting several times. And, um, you know, I, as I talked to folks about that project, I, you know, we've got the awesome story from Riverside Theater. Um, we just bought eight duplexes in the South District with money from mm-hmm. that project, um, th- you know, You guys all helped shape those policies that led to these cultural venues led to the affordable housing being required in tiff and and now we're seeing some of those first few projects pay dividends so you should be really proud of the work you did in in steering not only that individual project but all of our tiff projects
0: well as we know before it ever gets to us the staff does a whole lot of work (laughs) of course yeah (laughs) and gets it gets it formed up so okay do we have a motion to adjourn Motion to adjourn. Second. Second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 We are adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. Good everybody.